I'm Cathy van Royen from Chatty Cathy. I love hearing stories from people I meet, and to share them with you is a dream come true. I chat with a long-time mentor of mine, Peter Darrell. His life experience is filled with stories of running, business, goal-setting, and lots of charm. His running pedigree boasts of long-time club membership, club chairmanship, 30,000k challenges, and hundreds of races. He's passionate about helping others to maximise their potential, and he loves posing the challenge, why live by default when you can live by design? So it's St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March, and uh, sitting with Peter again in our makeshift studio of car outside the McDonald's. <laughs> but it works for the most part, better than the other time where we had all that car traffic and um, a beautiful sunrise. And it's been a good weekend of running before everything changed. Kathy, yes, it's wonderful to be here. I was just looking as I switched off the engine. I got up at four o'clock to prepare for this morning. It was a 46 kilometer drive to here to be with you. And I just think it's it's a wonderful, a wonderful morning. And as we look back at what may be the last normal weekend of, of running for quite a while, uh, I personally participated in, in two races. I started off and I did the Omdi Dorp in Pretoria, which was a 10 stroke 21, as opposed to Omdi Dum, uh, which was at Hardebeersport Dam. What is significant is the one is run under the auspices of Gauteng North and the other under the auspices of the Northwestern Province. Hence two races quite close to one another on the same day. Yeah, we've classed them as the same district. Yeah. And um, in Pretoria, there were 789 runners taking part in the 10K and 830 in the 21. So there was, there was quite a good turnout. And then on Sunday, we went to Leondale, which is a suburb of Germiston, and did the Gallopers, uh, which was a 15k run. Okay. And there were 592 finishers there. That's good. Also a civic event where they ran a street mile, and I don't know exactly how many street miles they had, but they were for all different age groups. So mm. there was a very festive atmosphere out in out in Germiston. Good. The big event, of course, was was Omni Dam. Yes. Uh, and specifically the fifty k event, and by all accounts, went extremely well. Okay. So uh, the organisers seem to have it sorted this year with parking and things like that. Kind of logistics that they've had troubles with in previous years. I've heard I've heard no complaints about about logistics or anything like that. That's great. It makes I, a change. <laughs> it does. Runners like to moan. It does. Uh, I don't know whether the new 50k event is is tougher than the the original course. Uh, I certainly do believe that it's got a pretty tough finish. Uh, you've got some nasty hills in the last in the last stretch. I've done the old one and the newer one, and I must say, the running that way around the dam, the other way around the dam, is far better because you've got more of a view. So the Long Pelindaba upstretch is now a Long Pelindaba downstretch. Yes, it's still busy because the, the year I did it, they hadn't closed off to traffic, 
but at least you had a bit of a view whereas before you were running away from the dam and you couldn't see the mountains you couldn't see anything but this terrible long hill so i i personally i prefer this route but i don't know what they've done if, if it was very different because i haven't done it this year nor last so i can i can only talk about the 21k new route and i really enjoyed it because you went through the tunnel twice and i thought it was far better than what it had been before you you knew you were running omni dam yeah but you might not be going around the dam you, you also you could see the dam you could feel the dam as you went through the tunnel and across the bridge but but it did have a tough finish yeah and particularly if you were pushing it hard yeah well i did that time it was it is a mean little uphill but it makes you strong makes you strong um i think when i talk about it, i've got to talk about val watson yes val she is in the over 60s category is that grandmaster that's a grandmaster okay val won it in, in in a time of, of four hours 44. wow and she would have finished second in the over 50s group running against girls 10 years younger than but it went it went one further than that she ran with a broken rib now i i on sunday was actually doing gallopers with a lady who was complaining about her broken rib yeah. and how it was affecting her and i said stop whinging this is what val does. Yeah, she is legendary. Val is an amazing. I've did an interview with her, which I'll one day put out as well. She's she ran comrades with a, a broken wrist the one time, or broken rib as well, and still did a remarkable yeah. achievement. So I yeah. thought it was. I, th I really I thought it was fantastic. It's great. The big talking point at the moment is is the cancellation of of races, and due to the coronavirus. Due to the coronavirus, and. Um, it was interesting. I on Sunday was talking to Frenny Welsh at Gallopers, and Frenny Welsh is the organizer at RAC, and she was talking about the RAC 10K, which is coming up fairly soon. But she was delaying the printing of the flyers because she suspected that uh, races would be cancelled, and lo and behold, it turned out the right the right decision. Yeah. Um, the, the big gripe from the guys is, is that they've paid to pre-enter races. They've paid money for pre-entries. Will they get their money back? What's going to happen? And and so on. And uh, look, essentially, I think. I mean, the the the, the race entry. Yes, we pe we pay our race entry a few months before. If they give the entry fees back, I think that at least in a way. If the clubs manage their funds properly, they've had a little bit of interest because if, they, if, if all these races are cancelled and it's not the big commercial sponsored late races, I think in a way that they will, you know, get the club some funds in, even if it's a marginal interest from, from the bank, you know. So in the one hand, yes, we pay race entries ahead and sometimes we don't get to do the races in situations like this, which is the exception. It's not the norm. So, you know, I think if, if, and I do understand there's a lot of people financially, you do go to, to extremes to buy race entries and things. But unfortunately, this wasn't foreseen by any race organisers. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of different ways that they can do this. Give the race entry back, give you free exemption on a race. Yes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like um, 
this was planned or foreseen? I, just one of the things that has cropped up is that we normal weekend runners had not really had a big issue with pre-entries, but things have changed in recent times, specifically with the Vitality uh, involvement and the Vitality series of races, which have suddenly made race, uh, created a mini running, running boom. Yes. And suddenly races are becoming oversubscribed, so folk are entering, do, doing pre-entries more and more so than ever before. Yeah. And, and that's created, created a minor problem. But with all due respect, I think in the overall situation, uh, it's a minor economic issue. There are folk facing far more hard, hardships yes. where their very livelihood is at stake. Yes. But on the question of race cancellations, Kathy, you were involved uh, in, in a classic one. Would you like to yeah, look, tell us? That was a, a huge financial thing at the, for me at the time, not necessarily the race entry, but the expense of going there. In 2012, my friend decided she wanted to use her passport and she nominated me to come along to go to the New York Marathon. And, and um, I had no intentions of ever doing New York. and never I, It was never on my bucket list because... I always go where there's family, so if I'm going to go overseas, I would go to the UK primarily. And um, to cut long story short, after a series of serendipitous, maybe, events, ended up getting exact money for the funds that the South African tour company was getting us an entry into the marathon, and we, sent, we set off a bit early to make it a trip of a lifetime. We left, so when we were leaving, I think it was a Thursday, we were set getting ready to go, because it was quite a long trip from here. We, um, my sister heard from a, an American colleague that there was a hurricane on the way. So I tried to look a little bit up, but I mean, 2012, the internet wasn't as good as, as now. It was, but it, so to cut a long story short, the hurricane happened on the Monday and we were in a fortunate area where a hotel wasn't affected by power outages. It was, we had relatively safe, we, we, we heard a strong wind maybe rattle the windows and we were quite high up. We were midtown Manhattan near um, Times Square and also fairly near Central Park. But the lower part of New York, the, the financial district and the Chinatown and all the, the low-lying areas closer to the, the bottom side were severely affected by power outages. Hotels were closed. People were turned away when, when they started, um, you know, realising that they couldn't feed them, couldn't get them. Anyway, to cut long story short, they hadn't cancelled the marathon. As, as the race director started talking post-hurricane, uh, post he says, no, the event's going to go on, it's going to be good for the morale, not even in the 9-11 was the race cancelled. So we were, okay, understandable, we'll hang on. And then on Friday, systems go to go and register, which we duly did. And when we got back to the hotel, we heard from our um, local representative. And then it was also announced on the news that the marathon, which was due to take place on Sunday, was now cancelled. So, of course, it was a big hoopla because if they'd cancelled the event on the Monday after the or the Tuesday after the, when they saw the, de the devastating damage of the of the race, everybody would have stayed in their countries. Nobody would have been flown in because of all the airports and public transport was down. So there was a big outcry for many of us who'd come from far distances who are now without hotels, without means of getting um, you know, anything done and that the race should have been more responsible in making a decision earlier. So the natural event was out of their control but the decision making process was a little bit criticised which I kind of agree to a certain extent even though we were in the city so it wouldn't have made any difference to us 
but then you think well what do you do so the decision was made and then the emotions start it's like oh well you know I'm never going to get a chance like this again so what they did when it came to cancelling the fees they did actually reimburse us our entry fee or we could get another guaranteed entry place in the following year um, so, so, so it was like a guaranteed entry of the following year's race I think or our, our money back so a lot of us took our money back. Well, I took my money back because I didn't, you know, to get going back the following year would have been huge funds and so on. So when it comes to the big races of, of like Two Oceans, which has been cancelled now, um, I don't know how many international people have been affected, but it's not necessarily the race entry. It's all the other logistics that go with it. It's the travel, the expense of air ticket and so on and so on, which a lot of people are mumbling about. But... You know, this is not a natural. This is not a natural one-off event. We don't know how big this disaster is going to be. We don't know how long-term consequences of, if any, of um, this ailment. It might just be that we we nip it in the bud and we manage to keep the the contamination down, so that the the later part of the year racing events can take place. So we actually at the stage don't know, but a decision had to be made, and I do think it's the right decision. To cancel races. Uh, just, just listening to your story reminded me of my experience with the London Marathon. I can't put, tell you the year it was, but uh, we went across the, to run the London Marathon, and the London Marathon was being run on the Sunday after the Boston Marathon bombing had taken place on the Monday, and there was a group of us South Africans walking down the Victoria Embankment, and suddenly a, a crew from a French television saw us and stopped and rushed across to interview us and asked how we felt about running the marathon after what had happened in, in Boston. And it was quite amazing. We, Frenny Welsh happened to join us at that point in time and they wound up interviewing Frenny. But London had decided for the, for the morale of the country that they were going ahead and that they were going to mm. organise the race. Uh, I think the situation here is, is somewhat different. And I think the key thing is if you're going to cancel, rather cancel on the early side rather than the late side. And if we take something like Two Oceans, it now gives folk an opportunity not to waste money flying to, to the venue and all of those additional costs. Taking the New York Marathon, had you, had you known, you, you may well have avoided a lot of costs. So I'm saying, guys, good. I think it's I think it's the right decision. Yeah. But on some of the smaller events, I'm not sure whether it's the it's the right decision. Well, it's a it's a decision to try and contain contamination, and that's what they're trying to do. So yes. Prevention of. So we won't know how bad it is until and uh, you know until after the fact. So, yeah. What else have you got to say this week? I think we've just got to be positive and. Uh, focus on what we what we can control and, and not worry about what we can't control. Yeah. I mean basically Athletic South Africa's turned around and said there's no there's no racing events for the next thirty days. Which meant even smaller groups, the park runs, the um, you know community runs where there's sometimes up to hundred people or more are now being um, advised not to take part look basically the runners are fairly healthy and we're fairly body conscious but on the other hand you just don't know I mean this this virus is such that you don't have any symptoms until until the contamination period is over so yeah there's a lot of uncertainty 
there's possibly a lot of fear, but I think, as you say, we've just got to remain positive. Yeah. I, I would just, uh, I, I'd like to just close and with with a quote from C.S. Lewis on his response to living under the daily threat of the, of the atomic bomb. And I think it's so relevant today. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, bomb when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. That's true. So, and we see that in Italy where the people are rallying around and doing like really vi uh, things that are making our hearts nice and warm. And I think that's it. We've got to remain, remain calm as much as we can and then ultimately just do the best we can and support each other.